Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message given by Tom Job on Sunday morning, April 2nd, 2023, from the Gospel of John. Good morning, everyone. So, uh, well, for the Lent, for the Sundays of Lent, what, um, so I had this idea of, um, because I never really used to do it. I I didn't, I never really used to think about Lent very much. It just didn't feel like where I came from. And then just to realize that my brother and sisters in Christ around the world have been walking through the year for centuries in ways that I kind of didn't, and that maybe they had something to teach me, so I've been leaning into it a little bit more. And, um, and I thought about how Jesus said that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, and how the word ransom means purchase, and that he was really buying us, that he bought us, that we're like his possession. And I just kind of got the idea of knowing that he's never gonna take us back for a return or get an exchange or anything. We're, we're pretty safe, but is he happy with his purchase when he looks down at me? And so I've been asking the question through Lent from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew, what does Jesus want from me? And then Mark, Mark, what does Jesus want from me? And then I asked Luke and read through the Gospel of Luke, what does Jesus want from me? And this morning, I wanted to just ask that question of John. And just, John, what does Jesus want from me? So um, in John chapter 20, at the, at the, it's really kind of the end. There's another chapter, which is kind of an appendix. But in John chapter 20, in verse, I think, 31, Jesus said, because he really only talks about seven miracles. There's an eighth one in chapter 21, but it's kind of an extra one. But he said, there were many other signs that Jesus did that are not written in this book. But these are written so so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and in believing you might have life in his name. Lord, help us to understand this. I, I super need to understand this in my heart. what it means to believe and to keep on believing. Help me, help all of us to understand what you want from me and how beautiful it is in your precious name, amen. So uh, yesterday I was up around, like I was driving kind of through the Smokies and I was gonna stop, but I didn't know where to park because you're supposed to have a parking pass now. And I didn't know. So every, you have to get a parking pass or you can only park for 10 minutes and I don't know how to get one. And so I always feel like if you're gonna ask me to do something, you need to tell me how to do it. And so um, there was a survey that they took in um, Wyoming, in a national park in Wyoming, asking people, how can we improve this national park? And I think people were very specific. This is what I would like you to do. 
Um, trails need to be reconstructed. They need to avoid building trails that go uphill. I like that. It's very <laughs> Trails need to be wider so people can hold hands on them. There are too many bugs and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to get rid of these pests. Um, a small bear came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Could I get reimbursed in any way? So, I think a McDonald's would be nice at the head of the trailhead. And many places where trails do not exist are not well marked. So you need to do better. But I like that. Like, it's, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to be very specific about it. So, but there was another article I was reading about. Like, so what do you do? Okay, you're going to tell me what to do when I want to know. What do you do when you suddenly have a bear encounter? Um, I think they could have been more specific and a little bit more helpful. The first one is uh, remain calm. Okay, I need some help with that. Like, what? So, um, make sure the bear has an escape route. The bear has an escape route? Like, really? Like, you have that yellow jacket and those red sticks, and you're like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, I'm the one needing the escape route. Like one guy, one guy was, two guys were saying, so how fast can bears run? Like how fast would I have to run to outrun this bear? And it's like, I don't need to know how fast the bear can run. I need to know how fast you can run because I just have to outrun you. Really, if the, um, the bear may utter a series of pops with his jaw, that is a warning that you are too close. You think? Like you can hear by the... <laughs> popping its jaw. If the bear stands on its hind legs, it's only trying to, it's not being aggressive. It's just trying to get a better view of me before it eats me. Like, how? Oh my goodness. If you encounter a bear at close range, stand upright. Avoid direct eye contact. So one article said, try to be as small as you can. In fact, Get into a ball if you need to. And this one says, stand up. And I'm like, y'all people need to make up your mind like what you're telling me to do. But there was one in, in Ontario, that they, in the Ontario Environmental Department, and they had advice about bears and how to avoid bears. And they said it would be good to wear like jingle bells on your clothes and take, pe take pepper spray. But that only works for black bears. It doesn't work for grizzly bears. So you need to know like what kind of bear is in your area. The way you can tell is by their droppings. Like black bears have little berries in their droppings and maybe a little fluffs of squirrel. Fur, but grizzly bears have jingle bells in their droppings and they smells like pepper spray. So, but, um, but I mean, so, but I like people to be specific. So, and so, it, but when, so if you ask like Mark, Mark, what does Jesus want for me? Luke, what does Jesus want for me? If you ask John, John, what does Jesus want for me? He's super specific. John said, this is what he said. This is why I wrote this. I want you all to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God and in believing you would have life in his name. Like that's what, that's why we're here. Like, you know, the reason the world continues to turn is that people need to hear this message. We're people of a message, like we have a message. This morning, um, they're running the Knoxville Marathon. I usually run it, but um, I'd be getting finished up in about 20 minutes, but they don't do it on Nayland Stadium anymore, so I'm gonna wait till they go back there and you can come in on the 50 yard line. But the reason 
because you're on the jumbotron and um, it sounds really cool, but you're about 48 feet tall looking worse than you've ever looked in your life. So, but um, the reason that the, a marathon is 26.2 miles and the reason is to commemorate in 490 BC when the Persians attacked the, the Greeks and a guy named Pheidippides ran from the city of Marathon to Athens, which was 26.2 miles, with the message that they had defeated the Persians. And I saw a cartoon one time, and it had the king was there, and it had Pheidippides, and he had just gotten there, and he had a blank look on his face, and he was like, I forgot what I was supposed to tell you. So, but, but, we, but we are people that we, that we, we have a message. Somebody said, the, there, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are the kinds of people that divide the world into two kinds of people and those who don't. But Jesus said the world is divided into two kinds of people. There are those, as Paul said, who are in the kingdom of darkness and those who are in the kingdom of God's beloved son. Jesus said there's coming a day when everybody's going to be divided up into the sheep and the goats. And um, having, and the sheep are the ones who go into the kingdom We've owned both of those. I would have flipped that, like, because I think goats are nicer than sheep and they're smarter than sheep, but it's just the great love of Jesus that he puts the sheep in. But our job is to try to get as many people into the kingdom of God as we can. We're not here to fight anyone. We're here to, not to fight people, but to win people. And the message that we need to tell people and the message that they need to believe, John says, there's something that they need to believe about Jesus. They need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But, but John means something kind of unique about that. Like, because when you believed in Jesus, and when I believed in Jesus, we became sons of God and daughters of God. But when John calls Jesus a son of God, he means something completely different. He, need, he means that we need to believe that Jesus was and is almighty God, the son. Like we believe in ways that we can't really understand that there's one God who exists in Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is almighty God, the son who became a human being, there have been people, and there are people today, and people that people love who say, you know, I believe that Jesus was super special, and I believe that he, he was, I guess you could even say, like he had divinity in him more than anybody ever has. I'm not so sure I believe that he was almighty God, really. But the Bible says it in a million ways. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, Unto us a, son, a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and his name will be called the Wonderful Counselor and the Mighty God. He uses the word El, which is short for Elohim, that the, that the baby was Almighty God come down to earth. In chapter 7, there was a prophecy that 700 years before the first Christmas that a virgin would conceive and bear a son and they would call his name Emmanuel. It's a Hebrew name. Iman means with. Imanu means with y'all. And El. El Elohim. With y'all. There's, um, 
there's a place in now. Uh, when, so, when, Mo, when God appeared to, Mo, remember when God appeared to Moses in Exodus chapter three, and, and he wanted him to lead, and it said, the, it said God was speaking to Moses, and God's name, God's name in the Old Testament, tell me if this is getting all confusing, but God's name in the Old Testament was Yahweh. Whenever you look in the Old Testament, and you see the name Lord in capital letters, that means at that place, it's using that name, the name Yahweh. And um, sometimes in the Old Testament, it's shortened to Yah for Yahweh, like hallelujah. Hallel means to praise. Hallelu means y'all praise. And y'all praise Yah, y'all. Praise Yah, everybody. <laughs> the, uh, Elijah's name is El, El, God, L-E, my God. My God is Yah. Eliyah. And so Moses said, and Yahweh means the one who is. And Moses said to God, to Yahweh, who was telling him, I want you to go. I mean, he had never done anything like this. I want you to go and lead my people out of slavery. And if they say to me, who is sending you? God said, say to them, Ayah. In Hebrew, it says, Ayah, Asir, Ayah. My name is Ayah, which means I am. And Moses is like, I guess that's why we've called him Yahweh, the, the one who is. He is. Because he said his name is I am. When the Old Testament was translated into Greek, that I am was translated ego eimi. Ego I. Eimi means I am. In, in John chapter 8, there was a certain place where people who were struggling to really believe in Jesus and accept what he was saying about himself. And Jesus said, I'll tell you one thing. He said, Abraham, who lived like 2,000 years ago, like he was super rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was so happy about it. And they're like, what? You're not 50. How can you say that you've seen, that Abraham has seen your day? And Jesus said, truly, truly, in Greek, it's the word amen, amen, amen. Whenever Jesus said truly, truly, he's saying, you might need to sit down for this one. Um, this will be on the final. But he said, truly, truly, I, before Abraham was, ego eimi, I am. And they understood exactly what he was saying. There was a place he was saying, I am the living God on earth. There was a place where some people got a little bit confused and super impressed with Peter and they bowed down to worship him. And he was like, no, 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 no. I'm a human being just like you. There was one time that's with the apostle Paul. Some people were super impressed with him and they bowed down to worship him. He said, nope, none of this. He said, I'm just a human being like you. One time the apostle John got a little carried away and he was talking with an angel and he bowed down to and the angel was like, nope, nope, nope. I'm just a servant like you. But Jesus welcomed it. When people worshiped him, he welcomed it. There's a place in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, that says, um, it said, Paul was talking to, the, Paul, he was a great missionary, he was talking to some people and he said, I want you to lead and shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And you think, when did God shed his blood? When Jesus was paying for us, he did. In John chapter 12, John was the only one of Jesus' friends and followers of the, the, the original, like, 12 guys. He had women who were brave enough, but all the guys had run away. John was the only one who hadn't. When Jesus was dead, they, they, to make sure he was dead, they pierced, they stuck a spear in his side. 
And it reminded John, he said, this was a fulfillment of a prophecy from Zechariah chapter 12, where Yahweh said, there is coming a day when they will look upon me, the one that they pierced. And the reason that John is like so super emphatic about that, that Jesus was almighty God who became a human being, is because there was something that he came to do, that he came to teach us how to live and he came to show us how to live, but nobody's ever followed his teachings or his example. He came primarily to pay for us when he died in that horrible way. And there have been people in the past and even today who say, like Jesus, he died for our sins. I mean, I guess, I think I believe that. So I think I believe that, but like he died for me in the sense of he was so unselfish and he gave me a great example of being unselfish. And if I'm unselfish, like he was unselfish, I won't sin as much, I guess. And it kind of helps me to not be that big a sinner. And other people said, when Jesus died, he died because he loved us, and which is, tr which is, and when I know that, it helps me to love other people, and I don't sin as much because I love more because he showed me what love means, and that's super true. But the New Testament is saying so much more than that. The New Testament said that Jesus was Almighty God who became a human being to teach us how to live, to show us how to live. Nobody's ever followed either one of those. And he came primarily to pay for us to pay in a way that we can't possibly understand in the deepest of all mysteries on the darkest of all days. That, in, that our guilt for all the messes that we've made and the things we've done and said and thought and all of that guilt was transferred to him so that he actually paid the penalty for it, for everything that, we've, that he was paying for us. And there have been some people who, sometimes people have said, does it, does it really say that? Like, does the Bible really say that? That Jesus was, act that actually he was paying our guilt and like the penalty that we deserved. Does it really say that? It really super does. There's a place in chapter 12 of John that some people were having trouble believing that he was saying that this was what he was going to do. And it says in verse 38, and John said, it's a fulfillment, it's, it's a fulfillment of a prophecy that talks about this message and that some people would struggle to believe it. But it comes from Isaiah chapter 53. And John quoted it and it said, who believes our message and to whom how will the arm of the Lord be revealed? That he grew up like a root out of dry ground, that he had no beauty or majesty that we should desire him. But we did esteem him stricken. So this is like 700 years before Jesus was even born in Bethlehem, talking about the Messiah, which Isaiah also said is gonna come and rule this world. But there would be a day where he was stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he said it was the will of the Lord to crush him and to put him to grief and to make his soul an offering 
for guilt. And by his knowledge, the righteous one will justify many because he will bear their iniquity. I don't think there's any clearer way that you could possibly say that Jesus died to pay for all the stuff that you and I did and that he rose from the dead and that he offers to whoever wants it a complete forgiveness of everything you've ever done, do, or will do in an instant. And what do you have to do to, to have that? Like, if it, I want that gift. I would love to be able to start over again. I would love to know that I'm forgiven of all the junk I've done and everything that I'm going to do that I don't even know about yet. I would love to know that. What do I have to do? 98 times in the Gospel of John, John says you just have to believe. That's all you have to do is to believe. And you think, well, like, what does that mean? Like, when you say believe, like, I believe in in President James Garfield, like I believe he existed. It doesn't really help me much. And so, so, but John is kind of a poet, like John is a super poet. And he's like, you're gonna have to think, you're gonna have to think on the side of your brain, not the one that Paul talks at, but you need to think on the poet side of your brain. And he said, to believe it means this, like let's say there's bread. Let's say I'm bread, Jesus said. To believe means I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat this. Um, let's say it's water, and let's say I'm water, the water of life. To believe means I'm super thirsty. I'm going to drink this. I think it's kind of like, it's like a prescription. Like if you go to the doctor and you get a prescription and it tells you what you have to do, there are three things. You have to understand what it's telling you. You have to believe, like you have to understand what it's telling you. If it says take one pill three times a day, you're like, Okay, I don't understand. Like, do you tie a string to it? It's like, no, no, no. You don't understand what I'm telling you. You take one pill, three pills. Like, it's three pills. But one pill, three times a day. And, but you have to believe that it would help you. And you have to take it. And you say, I want this. I'll take it. There was a, there was a guy named, there was a pastor, an Anglican pastor named Charles Berry, 1875 in Bolton. He was the pastor of St. George Street Congregational Church. It was a church of about 1,200 people, but he was one of those ones who had kind of gotten into a place where he did believe kind of, I, you know, I believe that Jesus was divine. You know, I'm not really sure I would believe that he was like, Almighty God came down to earth, and I believe he came to give us an example and to show us how to live, and that's kind of what he said. And one day there was a, a young girl in an old show, and she said, I have a friend I need you to come talk to. It was after church, and he, he, she said, she's dying, and you have to hurry. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll come. And she took him to the poorest part of Bolton, and there was this old woman, and she was on this bed, and she was dying, and he just started to talk to her and tell her those things that he was telling his church that, you know, Jesus is, he's a wonderful, he's, I'm, he's a wonderful example. Like he's really given us a great example. And she's like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for an example. I don't have time for a leader. I need you to tell me about a savior. I've lived a terrible life. I need to know about the savior and how I can go to heaven. And he remembered all the stuff that his mom used to tell him by his bed. And he just started to drag that up. And it was just like, yeah, we're all sinners. We're all super sinners. But Jesus was almighty God who came to earth to pay for that. And he did, and he paid for it. And he paid for our sins. And he rose from the dead. And he offers you a complete forgiveness. And you can have it right now. If you would like to take it, you can have it. And she said, I do need it. And, she, and they prayed together and she took it. And he said, that day, 
I got her in. And that day, I got myself in. So I don't know if, um, I just, I have one other, a little bit more I wanted to share with you, but before I do, do you have it? I mean, it would be, a, do you know you have it? Do you know that if you die today, you would go to heaven? If you're not exactly sure, it's a gift. All you have to do is say, I need this. I want it. I'll take it. Right where you are, in your heart. So, okay, what if you think, okay, I've done that. Like, I have that. John, what does Jesus want from me? Well, there's a verse in the Gospel of John where he says it specifically. It's chapter 20, verse 31. Many other things Jesus did that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And in believing, he, you might have life in his name. When it says believing, so I kind of looked up this article. When it says these are written that you might believe, in the Greek language, I read this article by the head of the Greek department of the University of Missouri in Kansas City. And he said, a present subjunctive, which is what this is, has the idea of you need to repeat this, or this is something that goes on and on and on. To come into the kingdom of Jesus, you have to believe. And when you're in the kingdom of Jesus, you have to believe. And you have to keep on believing and believe with all of your heart that Jesus is almighty God the Son. And if I believed that with all of my heart and just kept on believing it all the time, I would have the greatest life ever. I would, you know, to believe, to believe that Jesus is almighty God. And so Almighty God the Father, Almighty God the Son. One time Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house, and I'm going to come and get you. We're going to go to my Father's house. And Philip said, okay, so we really like you a lot. Like, we, we love you. You're amazing. But we don't really know the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, he's just like me. Like Father, like Son. If you've seen the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you like, if you like me, you're going to love him. He's just like me. And... And when I think about, about Jesus, in the Gospel of John, Almighty God come down to earth. And in chapter one, so like John, like John who wrote it, and he had a buddy, and they were walking along one day, and, and their friend John the Baptist said, hey, there he is, that's the one we're waiting on. And they started following Jesus, and Jesus said, he turned around and said, what are you, what are you seeking? And John was like, nobody's ever asked me that before. Like, what am I seeking? It's, a, it's complicated. I'm seeking a lot. And they said, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. John said it was the 10th hour. I will never forget that day. Almighty God, come down to earth. And he asked me to come hang out. And he spent like the entire evening with me. He had time for me. In chapter three, there was an old man and he had a lot of questions and Jesus had time for him. And he, he said, and he said some stuff and he was kind of opening up the conversation and it said, Jesus answered him and said, he had not asked a question yet. But he knew what was in his heart. There's a place in the next chapter where there's a woman. And, she's, and, and, she, and she found out that Jesus had time for her, time to talk to her. And he knew things about her that, she, that there was no way he could know. That Almighty God come down to earth, that he has time for me. That he, he knows me. He knows what's in my heart in ways that I don't even know. And that he has time for me. What if I believed that? Like, what if I believed 
that God has time for me. And he knows what's in my heart. In chapter two, there's a place where there was a wedding and, it, and they were having this wedding and they hadn't really planned well and weddings last a week and it was a week of dancing and, and singing and eating and drinking and it was, it was, it was amazing. It was, um, I was at, yesterday I was at a funeral and a wedding and sometimes, and I understand this, I totally understand this. But sometimes when people talk about funerals, they, they don't want to call them funerals. They'll call them a celebration of life. And I understand it. I don't know if I fully. I think funerals are for crying. I think funerals are for saying goodbye. I think a wedding is a celebration of life. Like, a, so a week of singing and dancing and just, and the wine was about to run out and Jesus made 120 gallons of it by a miracle and he did it in secret so that they could pass the week in dancing and that almighty God came down to earth and he believes in dancing. It's like somebody said, can you be a Christian and dance? And somebody said, can you be a Christian and not dance? Like he believes in dancing. He believes in joy that almighty God believes in joy. Almighty God, like he believes in weddings and like he believes in love and ultimately like a wedding that that kind of love it's a picture of the it's like it's it's an echo of the love the new testament says that he has for us that he believes in love he believes in dancing and joy and love i what if i believed that that almighty that i have a god who believes in love there's a place in chapter um in chapter 11 it was a funeral and it was a funeral of a guy who they had buried a few days before. And what Jesus was going to do, he was going to tell him to move the stone away. And he was going to say, Lazarus, come forth. Actually, in the Greek language, it, says, it could be translated, Lazarus, come here. It's actually in Greek, it says, Lazarus, here. It could be translated, Lazarus, I'm here. Somebody said, if Jesus hadn't said Lazarus, if he had just said, come forth, he would have emptied the entire cemetery. But it was just like, but you know, Jesus didn't show up. He didn't show up and say, hey, 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 we're about to put the fun back in the funeral. We're, I'm about to turn that frown upside down. This is going to make your gladdest, saddest day, your worst day into your best day, your saddest day into your gladdest day. He was about to do that, but he didn't. Because somebody that he loved was weeping. And he wept with her because her heart was broken. And it mattered to him that her heart was broken. What if I believed that? What if I believed that I had a savior who has time for me, who knows things about me, who believes in love, who, who cares about what I'm thinking, who cares about what I'm feeling, even though he knows he's gonna make all sad things come untrue, even though he knows that. What if I super, what if I super, super believe that? There's a, I would have, so I would have life. I mean, I do have eternal life. Like I know I'm going to heaven with like, we're nowhere forgiven of ours, but life is, life is more than that. Like what, what is life? So Jesus said, what life is like in your poet brain? Life is like never being thirsty again. 
Like I'm never going to be thirsty. It's, it's almost like I have like a, a spring inside of me. Like I'm never going to be thirsty again if I believe that about God. Like if I believe that about Jesus, God the Son, that he, that he has time for me, that he cares for me, that he, that he believes in in being in love with me and enjoying that love together that that he cares about what I, what if I believe that I would never be thirsty again some one psychologist said there prime everybody has primary needs and everybody has secondary needs primary needs are I have needs for infinite love I have need for worth I have needs for purpose I have secondary needs I need a job I need money I need friends I need you know whatever I have sexual needs I have all that stuff you can live a full life with your, with your secondary needs unmet, but you can't live without having your primary needs met. Only God can meet your primary needs. And if you don't allow him to do that, you're always going to be trying to fulfill primary needs through secondary means. And it's never going to work. And you're always going to be thirsty. But what if I just believed I'm loved? And that he cares about me. And that he believes in being in love with me. And I believe that with all my heart. The only thing that could possibly mess that up is I've made a lot of messes. And I make a lot of messes. And what if I kind of messed this up? There was a place in chapter 13. It's kind of a movie trailer where Jesus was having that last evening with his guys. They were fighting about something. He just got up and he, it says that he laid, his, he laid his clothes aside. And he put a towel on and he started washing their feet like a servant. And it was super awkward and they didn't understand it. And he said, you'll understand it later. And when he was done, he put his clothes back on. Those are the same verbs that are used in chapter 10 when Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, I have the power to lay them down and I have the power to take it up again. And he was basically telling them, I'm gonna take care of that. I'm gonna take care of your messes. I'm gonna pay for them. You don't have to worry about like this you don't have to worry about messing them up. He that hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, will not ever come into judgment, but has already passed from death to life. You can't mess this up. The idea that I know you and that I love you and that I believe in love and that I care about what you feel, you can't mess that up. You're forgiven of all that. It's over. Sure, you're going to make mistakes. It's fine. Sometimes I have a thing where I've made a mistake and I think I've made a mistake and I can't fix it. And, and Jesus said, stop. I've taken care of it. It is completely and totally fine. Jesus said the most horrible thing I've really ever read. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever read. In chapter 6, he said, it's like drinking water and you're never thirsty again. It's like eating something and you're never hungry again. It's like eating my body. It's like drinking my blood. That's really delicious. And I'm like, no, that's really 
gross. But what he's really saying is the fact that he gave his body for me, the fact that he shed his blood for me so that I never have to worry about messing this up because he paid for all of it. It's just like food. It gives you strength. It gives you energy. It gives you like just you know, like when you're really, really hungry and, you're, and it's making you feel so weak and you eat something delicious and you just feel off awesome. And to know that I am forgiven, that I'm always going to be forgiven, that I can't mess this relationship up, that I can't mess it up. It fills me with energy and, and, just, and, and strength and excitement for my life. My job is to believe that. My job is to believe that Almighty God, Jesus the Son, and Almighty God the Father love me, know me, has time for me, believes in joy, believes in dancing, believes in our love together, cares about what I feel, and I can't mess that up. My job is to believe that with everything I've got. And I'm working on it. And I'm trying to get better at it. And when I have a good day, it's a great day. I'm done. So <laughs> let's get better. You know what I mean? Let's do everything we can as long as we live. The, the word for faith, it comes from the word that means to persuade. To believe means I'm persuaded of this. I am really, really persuaded that I am loved and I'm forgiven and I'm happy for it. Lord God, I do ask you so simply, you ask us for, you ask us for nothing but to believe you and you've shown us how amazing your heart is and how much, maybe it's hard to believe because it's so amazing. We need your help to believe it, but let us believe it with all of our heart, with everything we've got. Let us make the decision. Today, I'm going to believe this, and I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to have a day of life. In your precious name, amen. Well, you say, come and see. Well, let's see. Because I've been a ton of places, and I've seen a million and life's not what it used to be Not Saturday cartoons or climbing up in trees I've seen heartbreak and loss Oh, the devastating cost Of being us in this upside-down world And I've known betrayal and pain All the things no one explains To every little bright-eyed boy and girl And you what if you never had to be thirsty again? And every bite you need came straight from my hand. What if the wedding party dancing would never end? Well, if this is real life, count me in. say follow me could be well I followed plenty of voices to where I don't want to be 
But I've never seen anything Quite like the life you lead Or where you're taking me Cause you faced heartbreak and loss Oh, the devastating cost Of being us in this upside down world You've known betrayal and pain And you faced it all to gain The hearts of every precious boy and girl And still you say What if you never had to be thirsty again And every bite you need came straight from my hand What if the wedding party dancing would never end Well if this is real life Count me in What if you really could start all over again? What if the one who calmed the storm with the same voice calls you friend? What if the thing that we call death is where forever begins? Lord, if this is real, Lord, could this be real? Well, if this is real life.